don't snore. You do, repeatedly. Do I snore, John? Yeah, you're a window rattler, son. It's just your opinion. Do I snore, Paul? With a trombone hooter like yours, it'd be unnatural if you didn't. Uh, no, Paulie, don't mock the afflicted. Oh, come off it, it's only a joke. Uh, it may be a joke, but it's his nose. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. This is episode 58, recorded July 3rd, 2021. I'm Andrew. And I'm Tim. And we are starting a summer series where we will be looking at Bands on the Reel. It's not the greatest name, but we're sticking with it because it's just clever enough. We will be talking about movies that are showcases for bands and various musicians. We're talking about fictional concepts, though. We're not going to be talking about, like, concert movies or compilation movies where, oh, here's this band suddenly. So, But we'll get to that in a moment. So today we're going to be talking about the... Probably the greatest example of these kinds of movies, and that is A Hard Day's Night. And so, but before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about the this just concept of the movie showcasing a musician. Yeah, so there there definitely is a little bit of history to to this kind of thing. There there are precursors e- even as far back as as early talkies. You uh, you know, folks like Al Jolson. Yeah, you could you could say that the jazz singer is a is is one of these. Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you, you ain't heard nothing. Yeah, so you, you can go back that far, and there, there are examples you know, here and there leading up to A Hard Day's Night. You know, some of the, the more prominent ones are showcases for Irving Berlin's catalog, uh, yep. particularly as sung by Bing Crosby. So movies like Holiday Inn and White Christmas, you know, Singing in the Rain is uh, is you know a big feature for particular songwriting catalog mm-hmm. i i can't remember who that is a um, lot of people um yeah. it's it's uh yeah it's uh er, the early versions of this focused on certain songwriters not yeah. necessarily like we would have movies that are all cole porter movies like uh, high society is basically the philadelphia story but with cole porter songs and with with sinatra and 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 bing have you heard it's in the stars next july we collide with mars well, did you ever? What a swell party, a swell party, a swell elegant, elegant party this is. So that's, you know, kind of like an example of this. The thing is, like, a lot of these, a lot of times when there's, like, a big singer, they just get put into musicals that are adaptions of, like, Broadway musicals. So here we're trying to find things where... The actor, uh, where where they have to act, basically, where they're either playing a fictional version of themselves, or or are playing a character, like, and that there isn't a whole lot of that early on, um, you know, with the exception of like the jazz singer, and there there's there are some early Paul Robeson movies that kind of follow this as well. I found out that there is actually a Josephine Baker movie that does this in French, um, that you can check out. Before Tim and I decided to, he and I were going back and forth on what we wanted to do for a summer series. And the day, literally right after the conversation, he and I decided to do this. I watched this movie called You'll Find Out, which is about this guy named Kay Kaiser and his band. who And they go play a, they, they go play an heiress's old dark house birthday. And there's like this whole plot where... People are trying to kill her so they can get the money and whatnot. And this movie had been on my radar because Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, and Peter Lorre are in it together. And it's the only movie the three of them are together in. Which means, you know, the inspirations behind Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry are in the same movie together here. Which 
is a fun, a more fun movie to imagine, to be honest. But <laughs> it ended up being that this Kay Kaiser guy, he was this big band leader who had his own radio show. So kind of think like if Benny Goodman was not a jerk and and like a game show host, he had this radio show where he would do like music trivia and play music and stuff. And so he got a few movies from himself with him and his band. So Kay Kaiser plays himself, members of his band play themselves and they play songs and have like shtick that they do kind of vaudevillian stuff and they're in the plot of this movie so this it's like a very good precursor to a hard day's night we've had a lot of fun making our picture and we certainly hope you've enjoyed it but there's one thing i want to get clear in your mind remember boris karloff peter Lorre, bela lugosi they are nice fellows and good friends of mine you know things like this don't actually happen it's uh, all in fun so i'm I'm not going to tell you it's great, because it's not great. I only watched this movie because of, you know, Boris, Bela, and Peter. So, and in a sense, that's kind of interesting, but it isn't, like, amazing. But it is, when I was sitting there watching it, like, oh, this is, like, very much a precursor to A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, you know, there's a, a whole whole slew of Elvis Presley movies, which are kind of a thing unto themselves. Yeah. But you know, they're they're related to this, but it's it's still not not really the same and some of those movies are better than other movies um, which which is true of other examples that we will probably talk about on later right. episodes but, but there are a lot of elvis movies i i would not be surprised if there's some podcast devoted specifically to elvis films i mean um, they're they're podcasts for everything else yeah why not yeah, why not but if you really want to watch an elvis movie watch jailhouse rock that's the that seems to be the consensus that's one of the better ones viva las vegas is entertaining but it isn't great I'll... yeah but if you want to watch something weird watch kissing cousins because that features two elvi two elvises one of which is blonde so there's like blonde elvis and regular elvis what are you doing with my face that's all right good question friend what's your name what's your i'm uh josh morgan from hidden rock north carolina then you is kinfolk although Regular Elvis in real life had blonde hair, but uh, anyway, he had a whole image. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to check those out, feel free. But um, they're a little, they are, uh, the mileage varies a lot between those movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I also, so uh, with the K. Kaiser thing, I also kind of thought, well, were there other big band, you know, guys that had their own movie? And it turns out Glenn Miller has a movie called Sun Valley Serenade, which, so it's, you know, it also has Dorothy Dandridge in it. And that's, he's kind of playing, he's, he's not playing Glenn Miller. He's playing someone else um, who has a big band and, you know, he's involved in that and everything. And that movie apparently is a big deal in Sun Valley, Idaho. Apparently there is a channel that plays it 24-7 there in town, <laughs> which is, you know, kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so they, they, they're, they're, there's that. I'm kind of surprised Benny Goodman didn't have his own movie, but I'm also not surprised at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, some some uh, some movies also starring you know the the Rat Pack, so you Sinatra, Dean Martin, and such. Where they they're in them now and then they sing a little bit, but they're not really you know showcasing them as as musicians or performers in in that respect. Yeah, if so. there were more songs, if there was actual singing in Ocean's Eleven, I could very much see that being the Rat Pack's Hard Day's Night. I think I'll buy me some votes and go into politics. Hey, now that's a good idea, baby boy. <laughs> You'd make a good notary public. You'd make a better coroner. One of them <laughs> laughing coroners. Yeah. But it really isn't. Or, like, there's there's no there, no one sings in some... Well, okay, Shirley MacLaine sings in some came running, but the but Dean and the others don't. So that's 
kind of odd. And I guess there's like a slew of rock movies that exist. There's this movie called Don't Talk the Rock. Alan Freed, who's like the DJ who made rock and roll a big deal, has a few movies. Um, so like there's some movies that are like this, but don't quite get there. Yeah, kind of a weird gray area there. Actually, mm-hmm. lots of weird gray areas. Yeah. So... But so we're we're gonna try and focus this a little bit more narrowly because mm-hmm. it turns out there are a lot of examples of this, or there's a lot of examples of the movie to cash in on the popularity of a rock star or a rock band. There's a lot of that, but a lot of times they're concert movies or yeah. they're just movies that happen to have someone in it. Like uh, High School Confidential just happens to have jerry lee lewis in it and bill haley's just happens to be in a couple of movies and you know and the girl can't help it happens to have little richard in it but they're Mm -hmm. not like the focus of the plot so we're trying to focus on movies where the band is essential to the plot of the film yeah yeah so kind of the the prime example 1964 is a hard day's night starring of course the beatles as themselves how did you find america turn left to greenland no actually we're just good friends has success changed your life? Yes. Are you a mod or a rocker? Um, no, I'm a mocker. Oh. Uh, directed by Richard Lester. An American. I've, An American. Um, who would go on to direct Superman 2 and 3. But, and also, a, uh, a funny thing happened on the way to a forum, which that, uh, with that movie I actually really like. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also did help, didn't he? He did do help, yeah. He yeah, also did so, help, yeah. So... Worked with the Beatles more than once, mm. but yeah, things, things definitely got weirder. Um, not... Not just for the director, but for the Beatles and and you know all all of their material after this point. So here we have a a slightly fictionalized version of the Beatles. You know this this was at the height of of Beatlemania. There are hordes of screaming teenagers chasing after them at multiple points in the film, mm-hmm. which you know, is not too far fetched from how things happened. You know think, things like this were going on, and so and and we we see them you know. Performing and you know going to press conferences as as part of just this is this is kind of how they do mm-hmm. yeah and there's there's obviously a script going on here this this is not documentary it's shot kind of like a documentary it does, it does have that cinema verite quality to it I think part of it is like the black and white stock they're using kind of gives yeah. it that that kind of documentary feel to it and and the camera work is very documentary style too yeah a lot of it not not all there there are parts mm-hmm. where it's it's more cinematic and intended to be a little more surreal you know some of the some of the crane and, and helicopter shots at, at different points it's like okay, <laughs> the helicopter yeah. shots are my favorite because it was before steady cam and you could tell <laughs> yeah yeah some yeah. of some of them really but you know it, be, because it was before steady cam you know some of that you know shaky bits of it 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 feels more authentic for that reason it's like mm-hmm. okay this this was this was written but the way it it looks on screen feels kind of genuine and, and not manufactured or contrived for mm-hmm. that reason yeah apparently, even though it is even though it is yeah apparently to kind of get the idea for the movie the screenwriter who and this ended up being nominated for best original screenplay that year it turns out he hung out with the beatles and basically lumped it down to that or uh summarized it down to that thing that paul's quote-unquote granddad says where like so far i've been into a room and another room (laughs) and another room and so he was trying to kind of like capture what it's like to be the beatles and and in a sense kind of focuses on the absurdity of what it's like to be a popular rock band (laughs) especially at that time uh the movie doesn't really have like a 
thrust. It's kind of more like a slice of the Beatles' life. They're kind of, that there is a sense that they have this this television gig they have to go to, but it isn't like treated as like this big huge thing. Um, it's just like this is the thing that is happening at the end of this movie is what it comes off more as, and I'm kind of okay with that. Like I think that's yeah. like, I think that's yeah. very fitting. I think it also kind of adds to the absurdity of it because it, to them it's just another thing they have to do. It isn't like this big deal. It's not like it's not like we're on the road to them going to Ed Sullivan where that's like this big monumental thing for them. This is just another thing they have to do. And I think that it adds to the comedy in like a kind of a subtle, almost subversive sort of way. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's set up early on, but it's, it's not really a primary focus. It's just, you know, here are sort of the things that happen to them along the way. It's mm-hmm. like we we start out and say okay they're they're trying to get from point A to point B just just because they are that's just how things are it's it's not a MacGuffin it's it's not a main focus it it just sort of bounces from one thing to the next along the way yeah and that's fine like um and and, and the thing is like at the time I there weren't a lot of movies like that that's like I don't think people kind of like get that I mean it's a very sixties thing to do ultimately but that's probably in part of this movie that you could just kind of do that and i I think that's pretty cool and i think that that's that's what fits if i was going to make a movie about a band like that might be the better thing to do yeah Um, at least at least at first um their later movies would have more of a plot but we'll we'll talk about those in a bit yeah yeah i mean it it even ends that way i mean Mm -hmm. they're they're it's okay. Yep, gotta gotta go and do the next thing, and off they go. And off they go. Come on, you lot, get your pens out. Why? It's homework time for you, load of college puddings. I want this lot answered tonight. Yeah. I want to go out. Now, a brute, no denial. You couldn't get a pen in your foot, you swine. Ooh, chatter on, son, chatter on. I guess we can take this time to to talk about the the big important thing when it comes to talking about bands, and that is how well do they sell this? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> And we can talk about more. We can talk more about the pluses and minuses of the movies too. But first, let's talk about how well the Beatles are acting here. So one of the things when it came to the Elvis movies was Elvis is an entertaining guy. He's a pretty good performer. Not the best actor in the world. The King himself would admit this. But so, like, how do we feel about the Beatles as actors? So this this is a a curious deal because you know. Because this was at the height of Beatlemania, loads and loads of people went to see this movie just because it was the Beatles. Yeah. And even though it's fictional and it it makes no secret of that, it doesn't try to sell this as, you know, completely honest documentary. Mm -hmm. This was how a lot of people tended to think of the Beatles and picture them for years to come afterward. So, And from that perspective i think they sold it really well a lot of people bought it it's like oh yeah george and john are, are just like this like they were in the movie and, and ringo is is kind of this you know sort of introspective thoughtful weirdo over there in the corner and and yeah, well, paul's doing what paul does and yeah so from from that standpoint yeah they they sell it really well uh looking at it with a little more distance now it's a little more hit or miss. There are definitely <laughs> spots where you can tell it's okay. You know, like like John in particular in certain spots. It's, it's okay. He's he's memorized his lines and and he's 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 performing them, but he's 
behaving a little more than he's acting. And be because they're the Beatles as the Beatles, that's sort of the idea. They're supposed to be yeah. themselves. But yeah, they're at, at, at times they're just saying things that they would have said anyway. So it's it's not really acting, which sort of at the same time comes off as genuine. It's like, okay, I, I believe that John is saying that. Yeah. Because he is, but it doesn't feel like he's in the movie. It feels like he's just being John. Right. And I think part of that comes from just if you want to like kind of get an idea about that, just look at their press conferences from around that time. I mean, that 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 mocker line actually came from a from a uh, from a press conference. You know, are, are you a mod or are you a rocker? Hello, I'm a mocker. Um, you know that. Sorry right. for the terrible Ringo impersonation there, guys. Um, the uh, uh, and so like I mean, that's you know it, they really are just kind of playing themselves. But to the credit of the screenwriter, they he does a very good job of figuring out what they would say. So that's you know that's a pretty good plus there. So that so they don't so their acting abilities isn't super huge here um because they don't have to act too much uh that said though i feel like um george and ringo particularly ringo are the ones that really do a good job and this is partly because they kind of have sequences where you know the george goes off and goes to like some ad it's it's like yeah sort of happens yeah. into an, an ad agency working yeah. on a new campaign for shirts and yeah, and he's not having any of it. He's just like, oh, I think this is a terrible idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, just, it's grotty. It's grotty. Apparently, the novelization of the... There's a novelization of this movie, um, uh, which isn't really surprising, but is also a little ridiculous at the same time. But that was the first time the word grotty had ever been printed um, in, a British, <laughs> in, a, in a British publication. Um, for some reason, it was very important for Wikipedia to point that out. But... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, I really like that sequence with George. I, uh, it's just kind of funny. It's it's really, it sort of like kind of encapsulates who the Beatles are in that sense. Like we kind of, having grown up with the Beatles and them being this thing, we kind of forget what they represented. You know, they were, you know, the youth that was being, you know, maybe not upstarts, but were definitely going against what they were yeah, told yeah. to like, you know, and what they were supposed to be into. That, no, no, there was still like, you know, Brian Epstein still had a, a hand in the manufacturing of their image. I mean, like they all had the same haircut. I mean, it's not that that wasn't there, but there, there was still like a, a subversive bite and edge to them that I think we kind of forget because of we live in this post Beatles world. So, and that scene is a pretty good marker of it. Also, uh, him talking about the field at the end of the Can't Buy Me Love field sequence is, you know, kind of that as well. Ringo has this, like, extended sad Ringo sequence that's actually surprisingly funny. <laughs> Despite being, it's supposed to be really, you know, and it's more or less a dialogueless uh, sequence except for when he meets up with the kid. But uh, there's, like, a whole sequence where he's, he's basically doing, like, a Charlie Chaplin routine where he's putting this this jacket down so this woman can walk through puddles and accidentally lets her go into a pit. Um. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, quick, quick aside here, and we'll, we'll get into some more of this kind of stuff toward the end, but this, this actually applies here is yeah. Right around this time, uh, the Beatles appeared live on, on BBC radio. And oh, yeah, you know, yeah. of, of course with, with the, the host, you know, this, this became a topic of conversation and, you know, you know, who, who was good in the film and who was, was bad. And, you know, basically they, they all agreed, you know, Ringo was, was really good. And someone, someone remarks, oh, he's, he's, he's like a, a new Charlie Chaplin. And like John says, oh, he's an old one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and John said that, uh, that, you know, how, uh, what was the thing that you were telling me about uh, the best bits on the floor? 
Well, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in the old days, you know, actors in movies and, you know, all, all the best bits were left on the cutting room floor and, and the Beatles was like, no, no, these these are the good bits in the film. <laughs> it's like, we, we, we kept the good bits, right? Because yeah. <laughs> we, we wanted the movie to be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. But they all seem to agree that Ringo was the best actor. Um, yeah, and they, they, you know, they they needled each other a little bit. It's like, Oh, John was worse. No, no, Paul, Paul was worse than that. It's like, no, Ringo was the best. It's like, yeah, Ringo's the best. And he's like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ringo and his large nose being made fun of the whole time, but it's still, I, I, I love it. But he, he, he plays into that. And it's like, I, I think of the lot of them. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say Ringo feels like he has the best conception of, of being in a movie and oh, playing yeah. like he's, he's in a movie. Absolutely. Yeah, w- without it being obvious that he's he's acting. You know. mm-hmm. Well, and he would go on to have like a an acting career where he'd be in movies where he wasn't like being a musician. Like he, <laughs> this isn't a good movie, but he is in Caveman, um, yeah. where he's very much not being a musician. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's an interesting movie. It's kind of it's sort of like that's one of those movies that works way better at midnight than it does at other times. <laughs> I, can t- <laughs> uh, I I can tell you that. But yeah, when it comes to like the general pluses and minuses of it, I really like the madcap energy. I enjoyed the absurdity of it. Um, I I enjoyed the the Wilfred Bramble stuff, which is so Paul has this this through line. It's, Paul doesn't get like a sequence like George and Ringo do, but Paul has this like through line with his grandfather being a pain. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Sir John, well, not Sir, but John McCarthy, um, who, who is not John McCarthy, it's this actor, and... And, and that stuff is pretty good. He He's not really like an audience surrogate, but he's like an extra bit of comic relief in a sense, which is odd because it's not like there's like tension that we need comic relief, but he's like yeah. another avenue of, of, of funny. And, you know, and Norm and Shake are kind of like that as well, who... I want to pretend that that's what George Martin and Brian Epstein were like, but that is... No. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not, not, not really. But uh, they, they do, in in a way, they're, they're not... Not exactly, like you said, audience proxies in, in the way that is usually done, but they do kind of provide a little bit of extra, extra perspective because they're sort of outside of the Beatles while being adjacent to them. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that. There is that. But they also bring a level of, you know, everyone, like just about everybody who's funny in this movie, you know, is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's and I also like the fact that the film has like an understanding of what it is in film. You know, it's borrowing from these verite things. It's borrowing from si- a lot of silent movies and stuff like that. If I have anything that like I would like nitpick about this, um, I guess it would be the. I wish the songs didn't repeat. There's like a couple of times that "Can't Buy Me Love" is used, and I, I sort of wish they used other songs. Um, it's not like there weren't other songs, uh, yeah, but this movie yeah. was also kind of supposed to be a promotional film for the soundtrack slash album of this uh, you know the uh, hard days night so i can kind of get that and this and looking into you know researching the album this was the first beatles album that was all Lennon mccarthy songs so i mean all songs written by them as a, i'm just saying i just i just wish that you know songs weren't repeated but uh, yeah. it, when it comes to that like um you know the bad you know when there is bad acting i actually think it's kind of more endearing than it is like a distraction so like yeah i don't have like a lot of minuses to it um which i think is pretty good yeah, not not really a lot either for for me. Yeah, there there are a couple of bits where it's yeah, the the acting isn't great, but it kind of manages to feel more honest in that way mm-hmm. sometimes. And you know, some some of it is is just 
you know, from a, a modern perspective, you know, things like Steadicam didn't exist yet. And yeah. some of those things look shakier. It's like, oh, oh, the yeah. lip syncing could be better in the, some there, cases. There are, there are a couple of spots where the, the, the song is out of sync with what actually appears on screen. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, okay. But I mean, those those sorts of things where it's okay yes it's the actual performers but you know this was pre-recorded and they're because they're doing this for the cameras now they mm. they've got to try and, and match there are times where that doesn't quite line up but that happens even now and the and, sound quality changes like will will sometimes change there's like one song when they're getting ready before yeah uh when they're getting ready for the television thing where like it literally sounds like there's like a shift change in how the sound of the room is like they needed like a little bit more room tone to fit to get into that but yeah yeah and there there are also parts where you know the the camera's kind of shaky and it's it's like shaky cam before shaky cam was a thing but it, it still helps to sort of elevate the the feeling of of chaos and 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 you know, being rushed, trying to get away from the crowds, kind of, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but uh, you know, for the most part, I think uh, you know there there are more pluses to this than there are minuses. I think it's a movie that pretty much like even if you're not a fan of the Beatles, there's a lot of cool like film stuff you can get out of it. And I think that that's you know that that that's part of the reason why this movie is a big deal. It isn't just the fact that this was the Beatles' movie; it's also a really well-made movie. All right, so I guess let's pivot into greatest hits. What's the matter with you then? It's his grandfather. I can tell he doesn't like me. It's because I'm little. Now, you've got an inferiority complex, you have. Yeah, no, that's why I play the drums. It's my active compensatory factor. What would you say is like your favorite bit? It could be your favorite song. It could be just like a particular moment. What's your favorite part? It's it's hard for me to pin down a particular moment because mm-hmm. they, they have so many, you know, just quick little one liner dry zingers yeah that that you know just just make me laugh i i think the one for me that's the most surreal and kind of stands out is is the first number they do after the opening sequence where mm-hmm. it they're they're actually sort of made to look like they're they're actually playing music at the time mm-hmm. where they're they're in the back in in like a a cargo car oh, yeah, on the train cool yeah. it's like wait a minute where did the instruments come from those were not there two seconds ago Hmm. But but Ringo's playing on his drum and and everybody's got their guitars out and Paul's got his funky left hand bass and mm-hmm. and you know suddenly you know they're they're like you know three or four you know girls who are you know outside the cage area in the car and so how did they find them? It's like nobody knew they were on this train until just now. Yep. And so I mean that that kind of emphasizes to me that this is a movie, but it's still fun and they look like they're having fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for me, it's probably the Can't Buy Me Love part in the field. Well, it's like Fire Escape and then the field where they're just running around um, and just being weird. Um, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's actually a pretty good sequence, and I particularly like the, you know, sorry we hurt your field, mister, line. And, like, that that to me is like a little bit. But uh, i also big fan of George's, you know, sequence and Ringo's, like, yeah. sad Ringo yeah. sequence. Like, I think those are some really good bits in the in the movie. I, I don't, I don't know what my favorite song from this, from this, from this like i guess album because th- th- that's partly because like this is the this is an era of the beatles that doesn't get to me like the later ones do they're still good and everything it's just the this is when they're still kind of like this kind of like a poppy boy band they don't really become like the beatles that i think of until like a little bit after about the time of strawberry fields forever so yeah but um you know i still like this stuff you know like you know, maybe can't buy me love is probably my favorite song in, in in this particular group in this particular group of songs yeah, yeah. 
they're like i mean it's they're they're the beatles right yeah they're the beatles they're they're, they're, they're good i think the one that kind of sticks out for me though is uh is the song and i love her where they're oh yeah yeah they're they're on the stage at you know for the kind of a, a rehearsal for the for the television set that they're supposed to do but i i like that one yeah even though the the, the lip sync and, and you know guitar sync are a little bit off in places yeah. just because it's it's a different cut than appears on the album mm-hmm. like you know that's that's not what you're gonna find if you go out and and buy the the CD or you know digital wherever mm-hmm. and I, I like that it's kind of the same for me as sort of a, a concert experience it's like you don't want it to sound exactly the same in a concert as it does on the CD, because otherwise you could just listen to the CD. It's like there's there's a little more nuance and, and yeah. play in it, and it's it's not exactly the same. I think it's it may even be in a different key that one. Oh, wow. Weirdly, cool. He's nursing a broken heart. Ah, poor old thing. Hey, Mister, are you nursing a broken heart? He's a nice old man, isn't he? He's very clean. Now I think a thing that would be kind of fun to discuss now is what I'm what I'm calling liner notes, where we just talk about like little incidental bits of trivia and such. One of the things that I particularly liked about this is I <laughs> I had to research an inside joke in the movie, or not really an inside joke, it was something that why when my wife and I were watching this, there's all this talk about Paul's granddad being a very clean old man, and it comes up like 15 times. Okay, maybe not 15, but at least five. Um, it's kind of a running gag in the movie, which. It's at, at times it feels like kind of a forced running gag. It's like, what is the deal with this? I mean, it's not unfunny. It's just kind of an odd thing to say. And what I had to do, so I looked it up. And apparently the actor, he was on this show called Steptoe and Son, where he played a dirty old man. And so that's, you know, where they're, where they're, they're kind of playing against that. So he was on this British sitcom that would be remade in America as Sanford and Son. So he is the Red Fox you know, equivalent for that, or rather Red Fox is his equivalent. So it's, so that was, that was kind of like a fun thing that, that, that I found out. Yeah. And there, there are loads of other little bits and, you know, tons has been done on, on this film and, and it's making and it's history. Um, and yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, some of the stuff from their, uh, their appearance on BBC radio, Yeah, other bits, continuity became an issue because John <laughs> yeah. being John, decided oh i'm, I'm gonna bring this this hat that's that's my hat and i'm, I'm gonna wear it in some of these scenes and you know the the, the crew were kind of against it because like well it's it's not part of regular wardrobe and what if you forget it one day and it's like oh it's my it's my hat i'm, I'm i wear it you know and sure enough he forgets it one day yeah. and for continuity reasons somebody had to run and get it and it became a thing and Another neat little tidbit: Phil Collins actually is in this movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Where? Oh, yeah, where is he's he? he's he's in the crowd oh, at the cool. end when they're doing the set for for the for the concert for television. He's a kid at this point. Well, yeah, he would be very young at this. Yeah, point. he was yeah. he was he was pretty young. But yeah, like like on the Criterion release, they include this as an extra where Phil Collins talks about you know this this movie and the Beatles and his history and his love of them and says this was actually my feature film debut and there's a freeze frame and there he is, very young Phil Collins. Oh, crazy! Yeah, the uh, if you do not have the Criterion DVD, if you get a hold of the I watched this on the Criterion channel and had and it has most of the the special features carried over, so you could probably watch it on that. Cool. That that's actually that is really neat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so the Beatles would go on to have, unlike other bands that we're probably going to talk to talk about in the series, that 
The Beatles had other movies. Um, Help is feels is not a sequel to this, but the Beatles are still playing this version of themselves in Help. Um, Help has more of a plot in that there's that Ringo has this ring. Go figure. Um, it's a yeah it's it's not a sequel exactly no but it's not yeah i wouldn't call it an exact sequel but it's it, it's it's closely related but it's much much sillier very silly like it's it's sort of like in a lot of ways i think a hard day's night is their best movie when it comes to like as a film product like uh it has it's really well made it's got a, like a really good script it makes sense for what it is but i think help is a little bit more entertaining because it's just so much more zany and yeah. it's just really bizarre um very very much more mid 60s so it's got a lot of that like british mod oddness going on and you know that that's real entertaining to me and you know this whole like i don't know what to call it this like cult group i don't know what to call them but like this they're like they're going after Ringo, and that's actually it's just super funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when it comes to like when it comes to like Beatles movies, like my favorite is is Yellow Submarine. Um, however, the the annoying thing about Yellow Submarine is the the Beatles are not voicing themselves. Other actors are voicing the various characters, the characters of the Beatles. In that, um, there is the Beatles are in it. They're in the live action sequence at the very end of of Yellow Submarine. But uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, uh, Yellow Submarine I think is like the most, and that that that's also like that's the music of the Beatles that I really really like is is that era of the Beatles, so that's that's probably the why they're that they and they have like you know there's Magical Mystery Tour which is kind of like a I think it was a TV special in Britain which is just a series of music videos and there's also yeah. Let It Be which is kind of hard to see because <laughs> Paul and <laughs> Paul and Ringo don't, don't really want you to see it Ringo looks fine in the movie but Paul comes off as kind of a jerk and what's well, so does John but um yeah and George just seems frustrated the whole time so which which is kind of just what George's life was as a Beatle <laughs> yeah and you know for for all that A Hard Day's Night is fictional it's it's rooted in a lot of their reality it's like they're yeah. they're they're you know, lots of contrived bits for, for comedy or even, you know, a little bit of drama or pathos here and there. Mm. But it feels genuinely like the Beatles kind of are, you know, at, at least at least versions of themselves that are not just written for the screen. So it's 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 fiction, but it's it's rooted in reality. Yeah. Whereas like help is very much more fictional. So there's yeah. like that one's very much a yeah you know, that that one would be like I could see the Beatles doing a you'll find out kind of like playing an heiress's birthday party like being in a, like the help <laughs> has more in common with that than it does you know Hardy's night and um, the so there was we should mention this is just sort of like a, a nifty little piece of trivia um, there was a time there was a time when it were, where they were thinking of making a a Beatles version of the Lord of the Rings. Stanley Kubrick was who John Lennon wanted to to do it. It doesn't sound like Kubrick was going to be super interested in doing that because that tracks. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. But uh, and, and so I did look it up about who was who was who who they were thinking would play who. Apparently George Harrison would have been Gandalf, which which is fine. I still think like this would have been the time where I think Christopher Lee would have been the better Gandalf. But I get it. I get it. Uh, well, Christopher Lee was originally supposed to be like Gandalf for years, but it just never happened. And apparently, so and Samwise and Frodo were were uh, I think Frodo was Paul and Ringo was Samwise, or that may be that may be flipped. I might be wrong. And John was Gollum was uh, the idea. That's what they wanted. That's that was what they had in mind with their dudes. But this never happened. And Tolkien was also not a fan of the idea. And this would have been <laughs> I yeah. And 
Yeah, and to be honest, like, I don't really see the Beatles making a Lord of the Rings soundtrack album, although that would have been, like, could you just imagine this alternate universe? Oh, where, man. That where, would have been so bonkers. Yeah, like, where we would have had, like, maybe Tom Bombadil would have been something, you know? I don't know. It's just, just think about that alternate universe for a second, y'all, and just kind of think about what the world would be like if our, if the mainstream, of, like, how the, how the Lord of the Rings became mainstream was not through Peter Jackson, but through the Beatles. So I know there was like an animated thing in the past, but that there, was still there, kind there of was. A, but that I wouldn't call that mainstream. That was still kind of like a little thing. So, so. If, if as as long as we're on this tangent, <laughs> yeah. So let's just just imagine, if you will, mm-hmm. an entire you know three books worth of music, exactly like Leonard Nimoy's The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins, but sung by the Beatles. Yeah. Because that's that's how that would have gone. That's probably how that would have gone. Probably with slightly better lyrics, though. Um, I will mm, slightly, <laughs> slightly, depending on who's in charge, I guess. I could totally see Ubla di Ubla da being refashioned into a into a Lord. Of the... the funny thing is, is that Led Zeppelin actually has a bunch of Lord of the Rings heavy songs. So yeah, I don't know, they, maybe they would have yeah. taken. Maybe they would have gotten some. You know, maybe they would. Maybe they could have learned from from their contemporaries there. <laughs> I mean, they, but that's the thing. Like, the Beatles were, you know, a big deal, but it isn't like they didn't learn from other artists around them at the time. I mean, so Sgt. Pepper was, you know, a lot of the way, you know, Paul McCartney would later say that Sgt. Pepper was sort of like their answer to the uh, the Mothers of Inventions freak out. So there was, you know, they, they still got influenced by other people. I mean, like, there's a Rolling Stones influence on them. There's, yeah. there's a, you know, there's a Beatles influence on the Rolling Stone. Like, we always kind of like, we tend to think of these, these men as being monument like monoliths but really they you know they all influenced each other they all you know got things from each other yeah so like the that maybe that would have been what would happened we would have had you know maybe maybe jimmy page would have been like called in to come up with all right man you gotta help me out here Um, (laughs) (laughs) like like how eric clapton was brought in for while my guitar gently weeps you know like maybe maybe i don't know i think we're we're at a good place for us to get to our overall thoughts about a hard day's night Now, I've got the stuff. Come in, lads. Are we doing your... No, we're not. The office have been on the phone. They think it's best if we push on to Wolverhampton straight away. Tonight? So, okay, I guess... I guess for me, like, I think this is this is a really solid movie. I think it's really enjoyable. Even if you don't like the Beatles, it's still fun to watch. Um, it may be a kind of... I would say if you are into, like, absurdist, weird British humor, that would be more of a problem than the Beatles' music. Definitely. I mean, I, like, I mean, like, I'm a bit, like, I'll be honest, like, you know, there are things about the, about the, you know, I like Beatles songs, but, you know, there are times when I'll be a bit of a hipster about them. <laughs> but even then, <laughs> even then, I still like, like, I still like this movie. And even though this isn't my favorite era of Beatles songs, but, you know, I still think these songs are real catchy and they work real well. But, yeah, if you're not into the kind of humor, this is going to be a harder movie for you to watch. But um, for the most part, I'd say it's pretty much on that, like, B plus A minus kind of place. Like, I think I wish songs weren't repeated. That's really my only nitpick. Um, most of the other things I'm willing to forgive because it's, you know, ni- the mid-60s and we didn't have steady cans. <laughs> and and uh, these are non-actors. Uh, performers, yes, but, you know, non-actors doing their first gig like this. And, and in a sense, I find that in more endearing than I find it distracting. So... Yeah, that's that, that's where I'm at with this. Yeah, I I really can't add just a whole lot to that. It's it's fun. It's it's not like you said as entertaining as help. It's it is more grounded even yeah. though it's fiction and it's it's very plainly fiction. But I mean, yeah, it's it is fun even if you don't like the Beatles cuz yes, there there are sequences where the Beatles are doing music and and being 
the Beatles doing music, but that's not the whole of the film, and it is kind of this this slice of life thing, and it's it's interesting to just kind of see what this what this is and and go along with them for the ride. Yeah, if you were gonna give it a grade, what would you give it? Uh, I'd give this a minus because yeah. yeah, there there are a few little nits to pick here and there, and I, I think mm. we've we've covered those. Yeah. It's not perfect, but it's mm. really good. It is really good. That's one of those things where it's like you know, movies don't have to be perfect to make which it is worth good because none of them are. Yeah, and uh, and the the thing is, the later movies that we were going to talk about in this series, <laughs> many of them are far from perfect. But that mostly doesn't mean downhill from here. It's mostly downhill from here, folks. Um, so, but stay with us. All right. So the idea of this, uh, we're going to be focusing on what I guess would be the children of a hard day's night. Um, so movies that are, you know, who took this concept and ran with it. So the idea of like blank bands, hard day's night is what we're looking at for future movies. And so Tim, what is our next movie? Ah, so our our next movie, uh, we're going to go slightly obscure, but more closely related to this one. Okay. Uh, a movie starring the monkeys. Movie called. Head. Head. Yes, Head by Bob Rafelson, um, 1968. Um, you may have some hard time finding this one. Um, we weren't able to get it on a streaming site very easily, but you can get it through the disc version of Netflix. So that one's pretty good. Um, the Criterion Collection did put it out. Um, so if you have access to your... So I would I would recommend checking your public library to find it. Ahead is probably the closest answer to A Hard Day's Night that we're going to get in our next bunch of movies. We're, we're going to be covering a few of these for the summer, so look out for that. We are also going to be covering, you know, reviews and such like we always do. So Yeah, yeah, do our, our usual, there, hey, there are new movies coming out. We're going we're gonna to watch them and talk about them like we do. Yep, so stay tuned for that. We will be covering a certain movie that has been on the shelf for a while coming up pretty soon. Um, but to be honest, that's going to be a lot of movies. That's going to be a lot of movies. Um, it looks like our, it looks like our October through December is going to be very busy. Um, with yeah, with, loads of catch up from nearly with, two years of movies, not hitting theaters. Yep. But however, if there is a movie, a, a film like you know, a Hard Day's Night type thing for a band that you think we don't know about, um, please mention it to us. Tim and I, will. we are open to suggestions here. We have some movies picked out, but like I said, this is kind of an unusual genre, so some things get away from you. So yeah, if there's something that you want to point in our direction, let us know and we'll uh, take a look at it. So. Yep. Hit us on social. We're, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Dead Letter Movies. We're at Dead Letter Movie on Twitter, uh, Dead Letter Movies on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hit us up, let us know. All right, and that is our show, and thanks for coming, folks. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. I know! Now, there's only one thing I'm going to say to you, John Lennon. Look, you're a swine, 